Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are in the world. I'm Ray Rossini, joined as always by Mr. Matt Topper, and we have uh, one of the show's friends, co-host for the day. We have Mr. Kyle Spooner. How are you guys doing? We're doing awesome. Well, thanks for speaking for me, Matt. I appreciate You're it. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks to everybody that was watching MSP Dispatch uh, 10 o'clock uh, with Tony and Matt Fox. And uh, this is our new date and time. Friday is at 11 a.m. Uh, I don't know if this makes us more professional. Uh, can we say that's why we're doing it, Matt? Uh, that's why, totally not because of football. Like, that's Let's not talk thing. about football season at the moment for us uh, Jets fans out there. Aaron Rodgers had a fantastic seven minutes of the football <laughs> season, man. It was but great. first three plays even make were it absolutely minutes? i think it was amazing. like two minutes if you count being carted off the field no, <laughs> like, <laughs> i'm a green bay fan i wanted rogers to go to the jets and dominate and uh it sucks um it does yeah it's uh, yeah I, I i don't even know what to say to that i mean his he did more yards going from the field to the medical room than he did on the field for the entire game all yeah, right you're so, on the field what happened? You got zero on the you got field. Zero on the field. That is that is. I'm just sitting there on the couch I, saying, I will say. "This is the most Jets thing that could have possibly happened." Aaron Rodgers had a better QBR rating than uh, Daniel Jones, uh, and that's not a quarterly business, business review. That's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, no, it's not uh, performance rating for quarterback. Right, quarterback rating. Uh, had, had his his he had zero yards, <laughs> uh, but he had a better QBR rating than uh, than Daniel Jones of the Giants fame. I, I believe it. Listen, it's uh, everything happens for a reason. Nobody cares about the Jets anyway, so it's all good. No, sorry, man. Ouch. <laughs> so, Ouch. I, I didn't say you were wrong. Just thanks for rubbing I it know, in. Some people care. I mean, they're just wrong. You know it's a screwed up season when the freaking Cowboys dominate their first game of the season. I mean, it's the Cowboys, so you know. Um, I'll take I'll take Jets over Bears. Yeah, amen to that. Pack us. But we're not here to talk about Bears, Jets, Dolphins, or beers, for that matter. Uh, we're here to talk about MSP, um, and so. We'd like to take the next hour to talk about what PSA we like best. No, I'm kidding. Uh, sort of, right? Uh, Matt, the, the first, uh, the first uh, story you want to discuss is kind of about that. Not which is the best PSA or RMM, but you wanted to have a different conversation. Um, I'll just do the TLDR on this because it's a lot. I'll put the link in chat. But basically, the post goes, it's an endless search for a new PSA or RMM tool. Any ideas? Blah, 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 picking a tool. Um, Matt, why did you want to talk about this? Well, my, my actual response to this is not actually appropriate uh, language-wise for most channels. <laughs> but I think it said something like, this industry is obsessed with tools uh, to, to the point of almost forgetting the purpose of tools and, yeah. and forgetting that they exist to solve problems not necessarily to be magic bullets or or any kind of foundation of things right they're there to just do something and and that's it and i think as an industry we've we've gone off course we've thought about tools as being there for 
for being the end all be all, like the core of the business being about the tool as opposed to just a, a way to help do something. So that that I'll frame the discussion with that and instead of just uh, soapboxing for the next half hour. So Kyle, why mm -hmm. why do we care so much about tools and why is ConnectWise the best? Now uh, <laughs> why do we care about tools so much? Like why is this the like it's laughable how many times these posts come up? Um, it's, it's the fault of the MSPs. Okay. Uh, one hundred percent, and it's half the conversation being heard, um, and half the conversation being talked about, and not the full conversation, because uh, it it boils down to to the to the individual, right? As an MSP owner, like a single man, two man MSP, uh, you're doing all the hats, and being able to. Uh, when you're going in and talking to other MSPs, like, how do you do this? How did you grow? How did you, you know, you, you, you reach higher uh, and benefit better? How do you, how do you maximize your time? The, the invert, the, the conversation is, well, you should get a tool. You should get a tool to solve this problem because that's going to take you from this to being able to focus on this because this is partially being done for you. But so, are you saying tools are bad? Because we just had this, I think it was Pre-J and I forget who else in Geek, we were having this conversation. There should be an all-in-one DNS, DMARC, DKIM, SPF monitoring solution. There's solutions for each of those individually. There's just no MSP tool that does it all. I think LineGuard might do some of it, actually. But uh, And I know Sasleo and SAS Alerts are working on it. Um, sorry, uh, Avic, whatever Avic's name for Sasleo is now. Um, sorry, John. Avic um, Leo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have yet to find a single pane of glass tool that is both uh, cost effective, uh, user friendly and works. Um, so once that happens, you can let me know. Well, and that's that's kind of the catch, right? And and that's why uh, and Matt Toppers here is a former MSP is here for the MSP community. He's not here as a ConnectWise employee. So gotta change my please shirt. do not hold anything against him. Um, but, you know, that's been a lot of the vendors over the last several years have been like, you guys need a single pane of glass and we're your single pane of glass. And nobody has ever been a single pane of glass. That sounds great. It's great. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. Until you need something that's not in the single pane of glass and you got to go back to the yeah. tool, right? <clears throat> it's like uh, Unify, you know, working on the, using the, the, the Unify servers. To, to do most of the configs and then every once in a while you got to go into the you know ssh into it and start modifying code yeah, um, or worse meraki if you want to do something weird and you just can't do it yeah i, I remember when all their site-to-site -site vpns uh there was no way to filter between them so they could all openly communicate to each other and i'm not going to name the vendor that deployed meraki vpns to all of their alarm monitoring clients um with the vpn enabled and yeah that was a fun one but tools are not bad though right? Like tools yeah. at their core are not bad. I do think MSPs put an unhealthy reliance on tools yes. to solve all of their problems. And that um, goes to the conversation, to the, to the comment you just had posted. And the, the, the other half of the conversation is the individual. Yeah. Um, you have to have an individual, you have to have someone to run that tool. And now they can run multiple tools, absolutely, depending on the tool set that you have. But it's not the tool that makes your business efficient. It's the individual on the tool, which is why I have championed this and multiple people have championed this. If you have it like RMMs are specifically people heavy, right? You have to have someone who's in DevOps, who knows oh, yeah. some type of programming language to be able to automate things because automated patching is 
uh, a lot of the open source tools can do that nowadays. Uh, you know, the, the real automation, it comes from knowing how to, to write an MS exec call, how to uh, well, and do even loops. That, that's been lowering, that bar has been lowering quite a bit, right? With, you know, you, I mean, we've always had RPA platforms and I get what you're saying that, that mm -hmm. but you know, SCCM, solved a lot of that now you had to learn a whole separate set of technologies don't get me wrong um you know what i mean or gpo or intune or whatever um and now there's rpa platforms pia roost but there's always been zapier 888 whatever um but you need the, so the, the, the the brain of a devops and, person. right and and that's yep. the key part right it, it, it i don't think any of us are saying the tool itself is not valuable i think we're saying you use it whatever you're using to just go execute on things, right? Have your ideas and and have your engineers and designs and all that. And the, like we said a couple of weeks ago, pick something and run with it. The, this fascination with constantly um, looking for the next thing that's going to be the magic bullet for the business is just strange to me. So I would put a caveat to that. Um, yeah. I do think that if you're not evaluating the tool sets you have in your business every three to five years, uh, at that you're doing a detriment to yourself. Just like so, if you're not evaluating your internal processes and procedures every three to five years, you're doing a detriment to yourself. I'm going to extend that a little bit. And I think back to what you guys both said originally, MSPs are the problem, where I just had somebody complaining on about an unnamed uh, security awareness and training tool. Um, they were complaining about, they got it for cheap. It doesn't do this. It doesn't do that. It doesn't do this. And my response was very simple. That's weird. Did you, when you were doing the review, you had your pre-list, your scope of requirements for all the tools you were interviewing to make sure each fit all the check boxes. Did it fit the check boxes then and then stopped fitting the check boxes once you signed up? Or did you not have a damn review of what you were looking for before you signed up with the tool? Did they even um, have a problem before they started looking for a tool? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I get those emails and I'll look and I'm, oh, it looks interesting. I made demo stuff every once in a while, but you're, I'm not you're just keeping, I was yeah. looking for. You're keeping you the pulse I mean? on the industry. It's, yeah. it's important, um, which is why you need to evaluate. Now, you when you evaluate, you need to have a checklist of what works now, what doesn't work now, and going into a vendor conversation with, hey, I'm just looking. I'm not, I have not decided to leave my current stack. I'm evaluating others to make sure that what I'm doing is still correct because your business grows uh, rapidly in, in this day and age, right? If, if you're trying to grow, you're pushing for that growth. And what works today is not going to work three to five years from now. And mm -hmm. if, if, especially if your business grows, because you can't run uh, a 50 person company the same way you ran a five person company that just does not translate. It does not work. A hundred percent. And that's, and that's one of those things where, and, and to Daniel's point, right? Daniel coming to us from LinkedIn. I don't think we've ever gotten a LinkedIn response from the evenings. Now people are actually online and looking at stuff. So that's cool. Um, but saying technology density, uh, will overrule tool stack. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think critical thinking over, over tool all day long. I agree a hundred percent. That's why sure. I, I personally appreciate even non technical people taking a, even a very entry level, very basic level programming class, because it teaches you logic breakdown. And I think that is the single most important tool you can have in your skill set. Um, the tools themselves don't matter. I, I moved like most MSPs, I moved from one platform to another platform over my career. And 
I learned somewhere about five years in that I was going to stop using the tools of the platform and I was going to start making my script agnostic. And I chose PowerShell for that for obvious reasons. Um, but that made it so much easier that when the day decided came that I could, I wanted to switch to something else, it was so much easier because I'm not using the built-in stuff. I'm using this. Now, that takes people that know how to write those scripts to what Kyle was saying um, or that know how to use these low-code, no-code options um, that are available. Even Microsoft has really good, I mean, you can build a full CRM with Microsoft with zero code if you wanted to. You'd kill yourself. You yourself, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to. No. You could. Um, so so that brings that brings a good point. Where do you guys, where's the, the inflection point to uh, bring that back up? Where's the inflection point for you guys where you say, I could build this or I should buy this? Because let's be honest, there's no tool out there that any of us are not capable of creating to some extent. Not as pretty, not as efficient, not as complete. But most of us are capable of getting the individual jobs done. It goes back um, to the checklist. Yeah. yeah. What specific things do I have to do? Where am I missing it in the products I'm looking at? And depending on what the, like if, if let's say item A on my list, none of the tools have available. Yeah. And it's a 30 minute build for me to build out all the other required aspects. Right. I might just be like, all right, let's just build my own. I mean, it's going, it like the, the time is going to be much more efficient if I build my own or have someone build it for me on my team, uh, then buying a tool and then still spending half that time building it out. Right. So yeah. it, it depends on how, what's on your list and how long it takes to develop those individual items, even individually. I think for me, it's pretty scope dependent. Is this something that after I built and the bus factor, I get run over by a bus. Is this so complex that nobody else on my team can support it or deal with it afterwards, right? So if you're beyond writing scripts and you start getting into something that's more like I'm writing an application, that's when I start getting into, I think we should probably buy this because there's going to be a support expectation of this beyond what I'm capable of providing, especially long-term, right? If I had built something and then left the organization, that would put the business in a very bad spot. So we talked about that and that's kind of what we uh, did. Jonathan was is talking about here. He doesn't want to pick a certain, he doesn't want to pick Beam for BDR because it's too much for him to manage himself. And realistically, and that's kind of the reverse bus factor, right? <laughs> like forget if I'm gone, nobody can manage it. It's I can't manage it myself equally as important, 100%. Um, and it's finding those right things. Because at the end of the day, image, file-based, you know, point of time, whatever, backup is backup. They just have a few different extra things and management controls. Um, and yes, sir, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we should all go back to, you know, tapes. Um, but, you know, it's, for the, most, for the most part, the majority of the things are all done by the, all the major players yeah, which makes it even more important to have that list of requirements to know what the important stuff is that you might miss out. Because I can't tell you the number of times, and I'm sure you guys have heard it. Oh, well, I assume because this platform is so mature, it would have already had this feature that I never asked about and never told them it was important to me. And then they get pissed after they signed. You know what I, I mean? I don't know that I agree with this comment. Um, okay. Which I one? Think... The larger you get, the more risk to internal develop tools? Okay. Yeah, I think there is, uh, like, it's, what's, What's that phrase when you like learning something and you, the Dunning Krieger? 
where you, yeah. where you oh, hit that peak yes. and you come Dunning down. Kruger. I yep. think it's a similar aspect to this. As a smaller MSP, your internally tool develops. You know, your your ability to develop and maintain your tools go up. And then as you become a bigger MSP, I'd say maybe the five to twenty five range, you're pulled in so many different directions. Your primary focus isn't that tool anymore. So support lands still on you. But as you get bigger, the tools you have are developed by teams at that point not single individuals. And it, yeah, it totally just say... depends on your staff, right? If you're a software shop that decides to open an MSP, you're pretty capable of writing tools most likely. Well, yeah, but uh, usually the bigger MSPs have a bigger proactive department or a knock department or whatever you want to call it that has specialized development opt people. I will say, so I think the, the line here for this, and I don't disagree with either one of you, um, or even Daniel, believe it or not, the change happens as you get bigger, your processes become so much more important. Um, both the, so in, in my org, uh, orgs, we do a thing called APEC. It's methodology I came up with, God knows how long ago. And I'm sure I copied it from somebody. <coughs> assess, plan, execute, communicate. Um, that is the order of operations for us. The assess, determine the scope, determine what's needed, what does success look like, what tools are we gonna need, who, what resources. How, what do we need to get in advance, blah, blah, what's the testing going to look like, so on and so forth. Stuff that we've all done. Um, it's just putting it into a one, two, three, four. Um, I will say, as we've gotten bigger, the number of conversations that have started with, we can't just make changes like that. We need to discuss as a team. We need to plan out what it's going to look like. We need to plan out the rollout, determine the communication. And we need to know all that before we write the first line of code or whatever we're going to do. Um, those processes become infinitely important because uh, knowledge sharing is definitely much more difficult the bigger you get. And so if you miss those initial pieces, that knowledge sharing is just not going to happen. Um, would you guys agree, disagree with that? Yeah, I'd I agree, agree with that. that. I, I, I would disagree with one point, and that is requirements definition, I think, is just as important, even if you're like two people. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that it gets more important to communicate things like what ultimately sounds like requirements definition um, at right. the beginning yeah. of the project. That I think that, in fact, is sometimes more critical in small projects. Right, you're tempted to just dive in and start coding before you even thought about the architecture, the requirements, and um, that I don't think scales. But or, or I don't think increases in difficulty with scale. But the communication. For sure. I mean, I found found that out when I went to a much larger organization than I came from. Yeah. How, so talk to me about scaling. How did you, to me, I mean, you know, I've always been no ogre on process and documentation. That's been like from day one. Um, and I will say documentation becomes much more, I, I would argue it's always needed at any stage of the game. It becomes much more critical, the pain points that present from not having documentation get worse the bigger you get. Um, can you guys describe like how your documentation methodologies changed throughout the evolution of your careers? The focus becomes on the onboarding um, and consistently understanding that our documentation is gonna be out of date and we should at some point re-onboard our clients to make sure that it's accurate as possible. Changes are gonna happen throughout the business throughout so, like it, Sadly, uh, you can force, uh, push, yell, scream, fight, but people are going to make changes and not document them. 
Um, it's just something that's going to happen. So you need to have a backup process in place that allows you to catch those changes uh, periodically. Like you shouldn't be reviewing your documentation weekly, right? That's not tenable. Yeah. But once a year or once every two years, you should go through a client, have a specific dedicated time. Um, and it doesn't have to be like what you, you like take a vacation week and then do all of the clients at once. You can do them over a period of time, right? Do your QBRs. Yeah, you replace 100% of the computers and the UPSs that are end of life on the same <laughs> right. week for every right? company. Yeah, there yeah, you yeah. go. Yeah. Way to, to freaking drive, go yourself nuts. Now, I think it was you, Kyle, that brought up the, was it you, Kyle, or Matt? I forget, it was on an MSPCL where you guys, one of you guys talked about redoing onboarding on a regular basis um for clients like doing it every year that was you Get, repeat that because now that we have a d little different audience during the daytime i thought that actually had a lot of value um so it, it goes back to that uh your your systems get out of date your clients get out of date uh the touch points aren't there anymore you've had these clients for 20 odd years uh and you do a project for them constantly throughout that 20 years re-onboarding them it's it, it it's a quicker process because you already know the client, you already have familiarity with them, but going through that process again with them, just to make sure that we're not missing anything. So someone on sites new um, who hasn't really interacted with your company yet, you can catch them and say, Hey, look, you know, I know we haven't really had a whole lot of interactions. You haven't opened a lot of tickets, um, but my name is Kyle. I work with a company. I'm here. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here to help you. If you have any questions, let us know. Your, your account manager is this person. Your VCIO is this person. Your team lead is this person. Like going through and re-onboarding those clients because they've had employee turnover. They've had technology <clears throat> turnover. They've had process turnover that you're not catching or documenting that you need to know about to effectively establish that partnership. No, I, I agree 100%. Um, Jonathan's comment, he feels like most of the stuff he's seen out of Pitch It. And if you guys aren't watching Pitch It, ConnectWise Pitch It, really cool um, competition for uh, emerging vendor or vendors in the MSP space, uh, culminating in the final winners at ITNC, IT Nation Connect uh, in November. Um, but there were a lot of MSPs that had pain points and built their own tools. A lot of tools are like that, that are people, they were MSPs and just built their own tools because the available tools didn't uh, solve the need. Um, I'm always curious as to like when that, <laughs> to pull another Kyle, uh, when that inflection point happens, when you determine this is not a buy versus build, this is build and sell because the requirements to be able to do that as a business are far greater. Um, how many of us are in scripts that like somebody has to share and you're like, it's a little dirty. Let me clean it up before I give it to yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> like, do I want to take on support of this by releasing it into the world? Did I put credentials in there? I'm kidding. Never put credentials in your scripts, please. The answer is yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I've never done it before. I'm just saying don't do it. Um, do, I mean, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> exactly. That's that's the job. All right. I, I think we've beaten this one. Do you want to do the... Uh, what I'm now calling the Kyle specialist to guess what the responses were. Ooh, on the, I uh, I, I, Kyle, you started this, and I can tell you, Matt and I have had great fun <clears> with it ever since. This was a good idea. Yeah. I have so, a couple of those occasionally. Yeah, man, spoonful of advice. So so what do you think the responses to this were about this person looking for PSA and RMMs? Uh, you will never find a PSA or RMM tool that fits every single thing you want. Yeah. You need to adapt yourself to fit into the PSA or RMM you want. 
Can I be the negative? I bet somebody said use the search function. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's that. obviously going to. And that may have been a moderator. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I've done that once or twice. Uh, with the constraints you provide, the features you demand, it doesn't exist. Damn, Kyle, you're scary, dude. Um, so to get what you want or as close as you, you'll need to step away from MSP space and find best-in-class products. Okay, so that's a cool point, and I'll, and I'll leave that as the last point before we move on to the next topic. Um, I've used many tools, like Kyle says. I've evaluated many, many, many tools. I've personally used in my MSP. I did use Autotask. I did use Connectwise Manage. Um, and I sorely mismanaged to this day. And then because of my business, we no longer MSP, we moved on to Salesforce. I will tell you, anything I did in any of the other platforms, I can do in the other platforms. Um, it was more important. That was my switch from Autotask to ConnectWise. Took us 30 days, despite being already in a functioning MSP, because we knew exactly what we were looking to accomplish. Not how to do it, but we knew what we wanted to be done. Um, that move from managed to Salesforce was the exact same thing. It was, we knew how our business operates and it let us slide into Salesforce and build that out. Um, and our Salesforce today may or may not look very much like manage, um, but don't tell anybody. No, you knew uh, what you wanted. Yeah. Uh, but you know, um, I will say one of the things that I think almost always get missed in the tool search. And one of the things I didn't realize until I moved to Salesforce, the MSP ecosystem that finding that the tool you want has the integrations you need is almost more important than making sure the tool does the job you need it to do. Um, I can't tell you the number of tools that I just completely dismissed because at the time they didn't have a BrightGage integration or a method to pull data out and I could push it into BrightGage. Um, there's similar other tools, right? Because no, integrations goes right on that spreadsheet as part of your requirements. 100%. All right, let's, let's have some fun. So we're going to kill that. Let's see, we have... Um, ooh, where has the innovation gone? Uh, that sounds like a fun one. I think Matt, you also proposed this one. Did I? Uh, somebody <clears throat> did. I don't know. It was, it was an, uh, no, oh, maybe I did. Who knows? Oh, that was me. <laughs> All right. So where has the innovation gone? So user new stage 440 says I've been an early supporter of cyber drain sip. Uh, they had an update today that added OneDrive SharePoint shortcut thing. Um, that's actually Tyler Petrucci's uh, feature request. Uh, so yay, Tyler. Um, didn't even know it existed. Started thinking on how smaller vendors in the market are, are impacting my company more and more, uh, educating me about features MS hasn't even told me about. Also, just real quick, I noticed, I learned yesterday, Microsoft has a built, Windows has a built-in video editor with AI and uh, automation for scripting um, and closed mm -hmm. captioning. Really damn awesome. Anyway, um, I might venture into rant territory, but I got some burning questions. The TLDR is this. Um, I shouldn't have to na navigate through a maze with three salespeople to get a tool. Okay, I, I'm happy to weigh in on the vendor side of that. Support ghosting. Smaller vendors like Emmy and SIP are nailing it. Need support, I can tap into Discord and Slack, get a response. Um, although we are seeing more communities driven by uh, organizations or just go to MSP Geek and get a vendor channel if you're going to be part of the community. Um, delayed innovation. Big players seem to be stuck in a time loop. Um, he didn't say ConnectWise. I'm going to remove that. Uh, for instance, SIP <laughs> seems like a no-brainer. Um, please tell me he called out other people here too. Okay, there we go. Same for Kaseya. Data RMM is light years behind Bot's deployment mojo. Um, so there's no question smaller players can be more nimble than big players for the same reason we just said. 
The yeah. bigger you get, the policies expand. You have to slow down to not have a negative impact on your audience. That is, I mean, unfortunately, that's a fact. I mean, uh, I think that sums up the, the innovation stuff well in that it's not necessarily that there's not the same innovative ideas out there at these big organizations. It's that they, by necessity, move more slowly. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, you know, which is nice. It, it makes, unfortunately, it makes a necessary space for the smaller players to come in and take charge because they can be more nimble. They can throw spaghetti at the proverbial wall, see what happens, because they don't have 200,000, 2 million users that would be affected by a change. Um, you know, I, I get that. It happens. It's, it's the cycle, right? the change thing. Um, I mean, yeah. you're, you're, as you... Uh, the Emmy bots and the SIPs, although SIP is a little different than like an Emmy bot situation. Yeah, um, I, I want to know where he's getting SIP support from, other than the Discord, <laughs> right? Uh, so, but those those companies, their founders are still deeply involved and in still building the products out. They're not fully released. They're there as they grow, as they double and triple their revenue, and as everything grows, their feature sets start becoming stable. Uh, they the a lot of the innovation is still there, but you have bug fixes you have to do. You have a bigger audience that you can't just you know rebuild an entire section that you could in a weekend because your code base is like eighteen times bigger than it used to be, right? You have things that connect into things that connect into things, and making one change is going to have a cascading effect to the entire product suite. And with so many people relying on it, you can't just do that. Um, also, you have stuff like the ConnectWise thing. They're not building out their core products anymore they're building new products to integrate with each other which which you have to do at a certain time i mean you're you're at that point you're rebuilding the entire systems that you've already had your code base is too your code base is too old and going in and refactoring that monolithic application is not something you feel is beneficial for your future so you want to build a microservices architecture right they've acquired I mean, what, how many tools windows 7 still supported 16-bit applications or 32-bit applications Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Definitely yep. 32 bit, but I think they still, that was the last one that supported 16 bit applications when that wasn't a thing since Windows 3.1, Windows NT, maybe 4.0. Yeah, Windows on Windows. Uh, yeah, but Microsoft supported all the way through Windows 7, you know, which are still deployed to this day. Um, you know, and that's not good either. There, there is a point where you just have to say, no, we got to cut back and, and get rid of that and start something new. Yeah, the um, Microsoft versus Apple model, right? Microsoft yeah. is historically um, backwards compatible, and Apple is the complete opposite. They're the no way, get rid of this stuff, and it's gone a couple of years later. Yeah. And the, the industry caught up, right? The The software industry said, okay, we're going to rewrite our stuff, and the Microsoft industry doesn't necessarily. Yeah, I mean... And you could argue, yes, Apple is a much more profitable company than Microsoft, but Microsoft has infinitely more users than Apple. And it's um, really hard to say because Apple's profitability is largely yeah. from iOS. I mean, Apple's yeah. profitability is like they hoard money. Like, I don't like, I mean, Microsoft yeah. actually spends all their money on well, Microsoft innovation. Microsoft nine different billion dollar revenue generating departments <laughs> like how insane is that not not a billion there's gotta be more badass, but like yeah it, yeah this was it, at uh ignite last year but yeah i mean that's crazy i mean it's insane like an apple's primary focus is an apple device 
if, if right. it's in yes and microsoft is focusing on an ecosystem the microsoft ecosystem so this touches this and i'm okay with you integrating into this and like it's just it's a different uh and they both have their places don't get me wrong um not to, but, not to say it's not a pain point for the msp regardless it's yeah. still you know what i mean it's you you have this expectation of stuff and as the company grows uh, look at adagy adagy i knew jason Deppbarn um because he's here in miami um i knew him when it was literally him and three people a husband and wife developer from cuba <laughs> and uh and crazy mike that was doing sales and adagy's blown up you know what i mean and he's blowing up a sip sip's a different animal but you get what i'm saying yeah um it's just the nature of the beast and you want them to get bigger because they can afford to do awesome things like you expect growth will allow you to have more features and more features developed right. quickly but that's not the true case no because then you have to put processes in place because if john smith your brand new developer uploads into production and deletes half your infrastructure that's a little problematic now if the owner did that that's on him Right, he can't yell at him. He can yell at himself. I feel like you're that's, calling me out for certain things. Uh, I'm just saying. Uh, I mean, but like the owner can do that absolutely, and he can eat the mistakes, and he can get in front of people. Yeah. But John Smith, that entry level developer who did that, can't do that. So you have well, to build it, the process for that. Right. If you have fifty to hundred customers, prod can be down for half a day, and it's not a complete disaster. Right. If you have, you know, five hundred thousand customers, you you can't have a downtime. It can't be down a minute. <laughs> Nine, Listen, everything's important. Whatever's down, that's the most important thing at that moment. Um, yeah, of course. And I'm not going to say I've never been that guy, but you know, it is what it is. The same thing All also right. affects support. So, do you think these people here, the respondents, uh, we're going to call it the Kyle segment um, or, or the Kyle test? Uh, so, do you think that the redditors were just as understanding as you two were? No. So God, I no. I think there were two questions in the post. I I, I okay. do think that there was an explanation of how things change with size, but I, I bet there was also some vendor bashing in here. So uh, let's ahead, answer sorry. those questions. So scroll up a little bit. Uh, yep. The questions are, I believe, uh, why can't our industry titans mimic these underdogs? Um, or is that uh, that's it really? Why can't yep. they do yeah, it? And right. then it's just attacking the vendors. Um, are they just lounging in their profit pools, unwilling to dive in innovation? But hold on, you answered this, Kyle. You hit this nail on the head. Yeah. You just said Apple. Apple's never been innovative, ever. They have out always evolved products for the revolutionized products. Revolutionized Let's give them credit yes. where credit. Yeah, yeah. I I don't want to defend Apple too much, but iPhone no. that was pretty revolutionary. Like coming up with the idea of it existed before though phone. everything they've mean? done existed before but they took an idea and made it into an apple device and well, that steve jobs there. famously said he will never have an app store on his iphone like he said there was no need for that when the iphone was first released and then you know he had the pro but then again gates also said we only need 768 kb of ram so you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, yeah you live, you learn. Uh, to be we'll fair, they're, before addresses. they are likely lounging in their profit pools, um, but they're not unwilling to dive into innovation. It just takes much more longer to develop, fix, confirm, put in, test, beta, and then actually release that product than it does a smaller company. Okay, so let's let's look at Google. Most people would argue or agree with Google is an innovative company. 
yeah. maybe too innovative, right? Google and Microsoft kill off stuff left and right. Um, I know we all dearly miss Orkut, um, all 300 Brazilian users that were using it. Um, you know, Postini hurt a little bit. There's a website dedicated to the things that Google has killed. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Microsoft. There's one for Microsoft yeah. too. Oh. Um, you know, and, and it still amazes me to this day that people still use Yammer. Um, but yeah. to that end, it costs a shit ton of money to, to, to innovate, right? You have to have enough money to buy, Okay, so Google Ways, Google Bot Ways, right? And they have they have their own Google Maps, Google Bot Ways. It and Google is an innovative company, but they also have to kill things. And people complain about the killing. My phone just said, "Hey, Google." Um, yeah. People complain about the killing just as much. You have to to innovate. You have to be able to kill quickly too, right? I mean, that's uh, that's the other half of the coin. Yeah, so where's sure. the win here? I mean, I think Google can be overly ambitious with its killings. Um, because it goes back to one of the things that uh, a lot of bigger companies don't do because they chase that innovation. They chase that new feature. They don't iterate what they've released. There is zero iteration. They release this amazing feature and then it goes into the stable state, what they consider the stable state, even yeah. if it's not. But they don't ever come back and rebuild upon it. Like how many iterations has Google, Gmail gone through, right? Oh, Jeez. Exactly. I mean, but Google Glass, how many iterations did that go through? How many iterations did a lot of the other stuff like yeah. it, it's, it's just that's the thing that a lot of people don't think. And they may look at the current release and be like, it's it, everyone loves these specific features, but it's not generating enough revenue or enough profit for our specific profit centers. But they don't go and figure out why it's not doing that. They don't go and figure out or they may. I don't know. Um, but they don't think that the investment in iteration is going to pay off uh, and, you know, spending that extra time. There's always the money motivator behind doing anything in a bigger business that most people don't realize. Like all these Google apps that they killed, they weren't profit generators. And well, if they're not profit they generators, are, they you have to. There's a line where you have to balance. I have to support it, right? Mm -hmm. A minimum. Even mm -hmm. doing nothing, <clears> I have to support it. There's always going to be maintenance. There's always going to be bug fixes because of whatever it ties into is going to have some change. It's going to break your stuff. So you have maintenance. That's not even innovation. You have maintenance. That's yep. important. Or security holes that open up. So you have the maintenance side. You have people that need to do QC for all for those two the maintenance. Things. The maintenance. <laughs> yeah. And then, maintenance. Yeah, I mean, just let the public do the QC, right? Um, thanks, Microsoft. Um, and then you have the people that actually have to do the innovation. You're talking about four sets of teams for any product and I'm being very minimalist there, right? So if we'll use ConnectWise, for example, um, you have Automate and you have CWRMM, right? And These are two massive initiatives. And so to innovate and yes, ConnectWise bought Continuum and some other stuff, but to innovate, it requires a ridiculous amount of people and money. And that can be said the same thing for anybody. Kaseya owns Datto. They own uh, VSA, you know, and AutoTap, mm -hmm. or VSA and uh, BMS. Horrible acronyms. Um, I think you know, one... But, go ahead. One thing that everyone's also missing in that calculation is this stuff is complicated. Yes. yes. Code is complicated. <clears throat> it's not as simple as typing up a few lines uh, and it working. You, it is... Uh, complicated I, I open like there's thousands of open source projects go on github look at them one of the bigger ones and look at that code base and think about adding a feature to it yeah 
Yeah, yeah, it goes back to our size thing, right? You can refactor a code base much easier on day 45 than you can year 10. Yeah, no, anyone, anyone watching who thinks that they're not doing enough innovation or it takes too long, go to GitHub, look at the largest projects that exist. And this, you can look there. It's quite simple to find it in the UI. Look at any of those things and try to figure out where you would add a feature. I'm in, in I mean, even with that, we, we can dial it back to the micro level. You build a script, it solves a problem. You move on to the next problem. Who's maintaining that first one? Who's innovating that first one? Who's doing bug fixes? If you've ever said to somebody that's asking for a copy of your script, and you're like, ah, I got to clean it up first. You cannot bitch. You cannot complain to the other vendors about the exact same thing, right? Because they are maintaining their stuff. They are. They, there's a lot of things you got to balance. All right, this this is dead horse. I don't want to keep being a dead horse. Um, you know, just just go by Kyle PSA and you'll be fine. I've got a good one. Uh, if you want, here, I'll yeah. post it. Uh, yeah. This one can lead into what we were talking about before joining on or going live. All right, how oh, you and your freaking old Reddit? Um, uh, because it's the best Reddit. It doesn't have dark mode. It's so. the only Reddit. Oh, sorry, I have a uh, better Reddit. So. It's our uh, default dark mode. <laughs> so for this for the same person that's been yelling about dark mode in the ConnectWise channel on Geek forever, you know, it's a meme. It's me more of a an actual want. I know the difficulties in adding dark oh, I know, mode. I know. No, and it, and it's one of those things. Like Andrew Kaiser sends me Reddit links all the time too, and they're always using the old one. And so like the bright like ah. So all right. So do MSPs actually? Oh, this was the one I was going to bring up. <laughs> so oh, perfect. Do, yeah. All right. Do MSPs actually care about teaching their workers? Posted by a skeptic drinker uh, three days ago. It's been a year. And while I've learned a lot, it's been mostly incidental rather than deliberate effort by my employer. My coworkers joke in the early months that this is the way saying you're basically on your own. That, that hurts my heart. Look, I get being in IT requires independent skills of finding answers on your own. But wouldn't you but you wouldn't hand a playbook to your quarterback and say, coach you the plays are there. Do it on your own. Um, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, uh, his analogy. Yeah, really this is more more complicated than I than thought. The title. <laughs> well, forgetting about the quarterback thing for a second, I don't need another reminder. Do we of need that. to talk about quarterbacks? Do you want to move on to a different sport? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I see two things here. I, I see so my first response to the question is yes, of course MSPs actually care about teaching their workers. But I, I'm wondering about the expectation of it in that most of the teaching that I got was while we were working on some particular aspect or, you know, if we were going through maybe a setup or talking about um, how to approach an issue or how to approach a client communication, I, I don't know that I would necessarily expect to be coached on things independently before they came up i would expect to learn that stuff on my own and receive training for it uh, when it comes up in a business context as opposed to uh, you know getting a, a boot camp essentially uh, outside of the very basics like how do you how do we do things here from a process and procedure aspect and maybe you know here's the server install procedure that someone documented but for someone to actually go through it with me and teach me fundamentals um i don't know that i would expect that so how, I, did, how did you handle it at uh, iconic so we, when i was teaching someone else 
there were two camps, right? There were the people who act were actively learning and trying to seek out knowledge on their own. And there, there were the people who wanted only what they needed to do the job. And <clears throat> the ones that, that simply needed or wanted to know how to do their job, you point them to the documentation and explain how to do things. And the, the ones that were interested, I would spend hours with going through drawing stuff on the whiteboard and architecture things with them. Um, it really was just a, a question of desire or what type of education they were looking for. Um, but I, I don't know that that was expected, right? So like when, when I started in IT, um, you know, I, I was doing networking at first, so I went and bought a whole bunch of networking books and learned that way. And and on the job, the only training was really whatever we happened to be working on that week. Kyle? There are two facets to this question. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, were, you were just like, I saw that nervous energy, like you were dying to like... He's like waiting for me to stop so he can... Yes. yes. So... <laughs> You, in a help desk situation, the training for how to do that job effectively is different than a projects or solutions architecting situation. Because on one hand, you can't, you, you, the only way to make an, uh, someone on an MSP help desk effective is to train them how to troubleshoot, train them how to think critically, train them how to be more effective in what they're looking for as far as identifying the root cause. There is so much that an MSP deals with from printers, networks, uh, servers, desktops, um, users doing things we didn't think possible to machines um, that you can't teach that as an effective way to make because you'd be you'd be in a, uh, a school for years like you'd, you'd have to do beyond master's level education to cover all the stuff you need to do, but teaching the core of how to identify the root cause, the problem and solve for that is how you build your help desk better. Um, you should absolutely provide incidental training, like how to navigate an OS a server OS and where active directory is located, how to edit a user, things like that. If someone's not already familiar with it. Um, but, that's not going to translate well when there's a corrupted user and you don't know how to identify what user's corrupted, right? Or you don't know how to understand that the user is corrupted. You can see that something's wrong, but you don't know what the root cause is. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you train them how to identify root causes and to keep poking things, then you'll they'll they'll build that experience and training better. On the other side of that coin is the architecting and building out future solutions and massive changes to systems and architecture that is a completely different uh learning because then you have to teach uh uh cause and effect basically like i'm going to make this change what effects does it happen which can arguably be effective in the help desk sometimes too um but you you have to okay I'm, we're, we're going to move the switch here into this network closet we're going to connect it on this port we're going to do this and then we're going to route all the traffic from the warehouse into this uh main switch over fiber connection um and then that's but that's going to leave so and so uh out in the loop we need to make sure to get a run over to them like you have to you you use different sides of your brain as far as the troubleshooting part goes it's not necessary you know there's no root cause to, to building out this solution you're trying to cover as much possible and the limited amount of 
time, money, hardware as possible. So it's a different skill set that you teach them. Right. That so, that goes to to that incidental as you're doing things type of training. Do do you provide? Um, you know, would would you be talking about fiber connectors or routing or stuff before you got to that point in the project with the person, or or would you expect them to go learn it if they were interested beforehand? Um, it it depends on what I hired them to do. If I hired them to do networks, I would expect them to network. If I hired them to do low level projects and they had an innate curiosity about networks, I would, uh, if time permitting, yeah, um, okay put them with someone who knew networks because I don't know networks. Um, and hey, look, can you mentor this person uh, on doing some networks? They want to follow you when you're when you're building this new project for this new for this client and they're switching. They have an interest mm -hmm. in that area. Um, and then I would encourage them to seek information on their own. We're in a world nowadays that I didn't have growing up where I can just YouTube a thing and learn it. Um, that didn't exist nowadays. And all of these up and comers I'm super jealous of because I couldn't in my formative years be like how to write code in C++. I had to find it on the internet and find books about it uh, that someone had put online uh, for free um, and allow me to view it so that I could train myself and teach myself how to code and uh, stuff like that. So um, there, as long as you spend time and understanding where they're at and hire them for that position, uh, and everyone's on the same page for what they understand, then training kind of does itself at that point. As long as yeah, you're comfortable I'm, with the work they're doing, they're comfortable with the work they're doing. And every and like there's no like you don't expect any more of them than they're providing, right? Right. And I, I totally agree with that. I think the original question though was about the expectations or at least how I read it was an expectation that they would get additional training beyond what comes up incidentally as they're working through projects or tickets. And, and, and to me, that's, that's hard to do. It's hard to find time to do it. Yeah. So my, my perspective is this, and I'll make it quick because I know we're up against the top of the hour. Um, my perspective is this. So employees come in their first week, they have their HR onboarding, obviously, uh, but they go through platform tools uh, and they do training uh, and they meet each of the departments. They sit on those meetings for that week. Week two, they have already done all the platforms, so they know how the platform works in terms of like our CRM. Generalities, our, yeah, they may not yeah, have familiar exactly. with it. Not the job specific, the generalities. Um, they know where to find docs, they know whatever. Salesforce, multi-factor authentication, all the fun stuff. Second week, we're doing on-the-job training. They're doing, and at the same time, we're still splitting out every day over the first two weeks, a couple hours a day to do our LMS training for our different platforms too. For the job specific stuff because we do have lmss for that as well but they're doing on the job training at the same time so they can get the book knowledge but also in practice um and then you know from there on they do their processes to get released from that on they've been trained on how to do stuff they should have to know how to do their job the second half to that is they need to learn how to do new things that are beyond their current skill set our methodology for doing that is if the ticket gets escalated the escalated engineer, the tier two, tier three, tier four, whatever it is, will sit with the person that escalated it and they will be there. And that person that escalated it will be doing the documentation while the person that is fixing the problem is actually affecting the solution so that the new person, the person that escalated it now has that skill, that training as well. 
Um, and we have documentation to share with the rest of the teams, however it may be. Um, that works. And then separate from that, we subscribe to OKRs, objectives and key results. Uh, plenty of companies, Zappos, Google, there's plenty of documentation on this. Um, we do OKRs and we separate time out during the week, every single week, and as part of their performance valuations, we determine with management, with each employee, what are the future goals? Let's build your skills in these specific areas. You have to address initial training, ongoing training, future career development. It is not a one or the other. All three, in my opinion, have to happen, um, which is here. I feel training should be more than the technical side. Focusing, focusing on professional growth is important as well. Um, and that's kind of my point. That's how we presented uh, security awareness training to our staff. This is career development. This is teaching you how to look for things and how to be a better, you know, be at less risk in doing your job, right? Um, I'll expand this. It's not just text, Daniel. It's everybody. Uh, word of advice. If as someone in your business, if I don't have a visual path to get to somewhere else in your company, you're doing it wrong. That's fair. Um, I have a little secret I want to share that I got to download real quick and add to here. Um, you want me to keep talking while you're while you're down there? If you uh, the technical term is vamping, yes, I would greatly appreciate if you can keep vamping for like thirty seconds. It would be phenomenal. Sure, um, super simple. Uh, but yeah, no. If if I, as a technician, if I can't go to an account management, then that's a problem. If there's no path for me to get there, and an understanding of what I need to be able to get to that. Like if uh, if I'm an account manager and I want to learn tech, I shouldn't have to answer phones prior to being a level one technician. I have a basic understanding of technology. What do I need to do? to be a level one tech? What skills what do those, I need to possess? What do those look like, Kyler? Are they raw numbers? Does it score this on a test? Does it do this many iterations of some task? Like what What would so I be looking at if I were a tech with that? Um, well, it would be a Visio diagram. Um, like, cause some positions are one-to-one, -one. like a tier mm -hmm. tech, tier two technician. Once you're fully developed as a tier two technician, there is uh, generally generally uh, an MSP thing where you either go to management or you go to projects or uh, a specific piece, right? So that'd be a, a lateral move. But if we go to a procurement department who has a deep understanding of uh, hardware, software, things like that, not necessarily troubleshooting skills, I'd probably put them into level one engineers, maybe even on the quick fix team to understand resetting passwords and stuff like that first and right. see where their skills grow. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, career development, <laughs> blah, blah. The really exciting part has a lot to do with this, my little guy over here, my my goots. Um, Kyle, I'm going to bring this up. I'm going to let you explain this because this is your jam, bro. Uh, we're all <laughs> extremely excited about it, but let's be honest. This is your baby. Can you, uh, uh, <laughs> you want to explain this? So it's uh, unofficially officially announced. Um, we put out a request for sponsorships for MSB Geekon 2024, which means it is happening. Um, not a lot of the details have been released as of yet, but, um, at this time we're about half full for sponsorships and we released it yesterday. So uh, I think big this is shout out to those to share the dates publicly. So, um, oops. Well, it's in the sponsor perspective. So, yeah. uh, and that's available on the community and the announcements channel for anyone curious. Um, but, uh, we're, we're transparent, uh, for the most part. Uh, organization. We're a nonprofit, so we kind of have to be for a lot of things. So we released the sponsor prospectus to everybody um, in our community first. We'll start, we have distro lists and other public places afterwards, but we wanted to give those vendors who are in our community and active uh, uh, first shot. Um, but it's, it's, it's 
the last year's event was phenomenal. Everyone loved it. Um, hopefully we can uh, repeat that. We're not changing a whole lot. We're adding where we make where it makes sense and editing things that were some of our biggest complaints. Um, Everything that didn't happen in year one is going to happen in year not two. True. <laughs> <laughs> not true. Not uh, true. For instance, we're making the schedule a little easier to digest. We're breaking it up a little easier so that it's not just um, if it doesn't feel overwhelming. Um, we're serving breakfast on the first day. Uh, things things like that, um, which were some of our biggest complaints. Um, but uh, it's I'm super excited. Uh, we're running it back, and it's going to be at the same same location um and uh the dates obviously are up there and once we start uh once we get everything ready to start selling tickets well we're start we'll start uh pushing for that um make sure to get uh, those conversations started with your ceos your supervisors your friends in the industry um yeah. because we are going to have uh, uh an amazing event full of learning education and the works and i'll put out the same thing i offered i know mendy i know kyle you offered this last year if uh, if your boss needs a little convincing and they're not listening to you, I'm more than happy to get on a call with your boss and tell them why I think it's important. For, um, I know Kyle would be absolutely happy to do the same thing. I don't want to speak for Matt, but hey, Mary from Finn, um, <laughs> one of my favorite Finsters, uh, also at MSP GeekCon. Um, so yeah, uh, <clears throat> you know, but it really, it's it's one of my it's it immediately became one of my favorite events all year long. Um, so I'm very excited about it uh, and. For more information, just go to MSP Geek, go to the Discord or the Slack. Discord's better. Uh, and there's a channel, and you can find all the new stuff that's coming on. Um, so I know we're a little past, uh, and I have to jump for another meeting. Guys, is there anything else you want to say before we let everybody go? Uh, Kyle, I'll let you go first. Since, uh, uh, um, you mean to speak for, I'll speak for Matt, too, if he we would have reverse <laughs> of the beginning. No, uh, fair, it's, fair. It's, no, it's, it's great. I appreciate you having me on. Um, jo MSP Geek Con is happening again. Uh, I love coming to these and love having conversations. Awesome. Matt, uh, did he say yeah, everything you needed to say? Always good conversations. Uh, I, I like that we hit the business side more than the tech side. Yeah, I love that side. I do too. I, I love the business side personally. Um, I have to do this because if not, my staff will yell at me. Um, we do have upcoming events. Let's see what we got. We have, uh, we're doing MSP Community Live right now. Uh, we have wins and losses next Tuesday. Uh, Jason Slagle, he's out doing bourbon and beyond right now with uh, Matt Clark and friends. Uh, AI Roundup. Uh, and then, yeah, and then that's it, I think. we have, And then obviously MSP Dispatch. Oh, Bits and Books next Friday, um, which we're going to miss you, Kyle, but uh, it'll be fun. Uh, I may be there. I may not be talking a lot. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Now, I, I am looking forward to it either way. Um, all right, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate every one of you. Uh, we hope this was enjoyable for you too. And until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. This has been a broadcast of the MSP Media Network.